On this podcast, I often talk with guests about the waves they're making in Web3. And yet, it always feels a little off as 99% of my day is spent on Web2, even if I am talking about Web3. LinkedIn and Twitter, while major hubs for Web3 chatter and community, are very much Web2. And so, it was refreshing to have a guest speak to this dichotomy and share the idea that not everything needs to be Web3, and that we, as he is currently doing, will likely continue to mix the best elements of Web2 with Web3 to make the gradual slide into Web3 more of an evolution rather than a revolution that allows the tech to catch up with our lofty Web3 dreams. You know, where everything is on chain. This episode's guest is Brent Craig, and we sat down in his hometown of New Orleans to discuss how he's putting the big easy on the Web3 and crypto map with his projects NFTeacher and Jamaround. NFTeacher currently is leveraging and Jamaround will leverage blockchain to shift paradigms and build a future like with all Web3 that will allow more people to create on their own terms while actively building community. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. Brent, welcome to More Than Blockchain. How you doing? How you doing? What's going on with you, man? Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. I'm down here in New Orleans. Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Here Pretty we are. Easy. It's very warm today. It's hot. It's it, had, it had a real feel of 100 degrees. Now, I must say, I do enjoy the heat. Yeah. But I, I think it takes a certain amount of time to get used to it. Mm-hmm. Just like if you hit extreme cold, yeah. you need about a week or two weeks, and you need the proper gear. Yeah, and then that humidity is different, too. So that's that's another factor of this heat in particular. It's more so, you know, it's not really that dry heat like you would get in Texas. So it's like you're sweating. It's, a, it's, a, it's an actual swamp. Yeah. So I've been here a couple of days, and I'm so glad we were able to connect because... Mm-hmm. Doing it through Zoom, there's no problem with that. I've had great conversations through Zoom. We would connect well through yeah. Zoom. We're both obviously probably on video calls with people all the time. All the time, right. Literally, I live on video calls. Nothing wrong with that, but it's honestly very nice. And it almost feels like getting back to, I quote, normal. I'm throwing air quotes mm-hmm. coming from the pandemic where I feel like we couldn't, I couldn't fly down here and I couldn't sit with you and we couldn't yeah. do this because couldn't get a flight. There were precautions. There were this or that. You're not trying to get your people sick. I'm not trying to get my people sick. We have to worry yeah. about other people. Mm-hmm. So anyways, super glad to be here. And I got to say, the reason why we're here, I got to bring it back to Instagram, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. And I had seen a TikTok that you had done about your NF teacher. Oh, right. right. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, that's super cool. <laughs> and maybe you can break down what that looks like, because what I really want to focus on, mm-hmm. and this is a conversation I'm already having, is what does, the metaverse, what does the metaverse offer for education and what does education look like in the metaverse? So... Talk to me about how yeah. you wanted to leverage the metaverse or virtual reality environment to bring education to people seemingly around the globe. When you think about the Web3 situation, you, there's two components to it. You have the ownership, which is, empower, with power, which is powered by blockchain technology. Then you have the immersion, which is powered by the virtual reality, the augmented reality type of situation. So I went to Tuskegee University. I studied political science, and I graduated in 2016. After I graduated, I pretty much didn't even touch my degree. My degree is still on the mantle that it was at. Dusty. Yeah, dusty. (laughs) If it wasn't for the little plastic film that was in front of it, it would be super dusty. But it sat there and it's collected dust. And I didn't really, I wouldn't say that I got my return off investment off my degree education. I would say that I got the return from the relationships that I built while in school and the different things that I tried that manifested you know, my media background, and then eventually led me into the blockchain, you know, the music, videos, all of those types of things that I learned in school wasn't necessarily a part of my curriculum. 
And my professors also I attribute to them for helping me grow and mature as a person. But I didn't use the actual information that I learned in school to monetize. So it was basically a wasted investment if I was to look at it from purely a curriculum perspective. What if there was a way for me to sell my entry into the college and recoup my investment just from the seat that I was at, was I was granted to when I got into the university? And that's where end of teacher started materializing, figuring out how we could get students returns without having to get without having them go and apply it into real life. And that's where the tokenomics come in play. So NF Teacher is essentially a blockchain learning academy. It was one of the first, I don't know if it's the first, but one of the first that was built on Ethereum. And I partnered with a couple of guys that I met through the Apes3D NFT project. Every person that helped me build that project was a part of that community, Apes3D. So that's another thing that I want to highlight, the community aspect and the building. You know, it's, it's, it's super powerful. And we basically just wanted to create a learning environment for students that was built on chain so that we can have different transparency measures. We can have different um, community events, you know, different fun stuff that can happen over the Internet. Because as we know, around that time, it was COVID, things were going on. It was super difficult to meet up. And that's when I first started getting into the Oculus, getting into the virtual reality is when I started, you know, just having a little extra downtime and figuring out ways to, you know, explore and still monetize. I've always worked from home. Like I said, I never used my degree. I, I use skills that I've learned in school to, you know, monetize and, and pay my bills. But that was an outlet that allowed for different levels of creativity. And it really started out as an experiment. And it started with my TikTok. My TikTok, it, it blew up to a certain degree. When did you, I, I, I hate yeah. to cut you off because yeah, you're yeah. Blow, but when did you open your TikTok? Yeah, so I started my TikTok last, last summer. So it's almost, it almost will be a year now. So in July, June. So June of 2020. June, 2021. 20, yeah. Oh, excuse me. I'm yeah. Wow. yeah, right. Okay, July yeah, of 2021, yep. you started your TikTok. Yeah, June. And June, excuse me. But yeah. wait, so the question I have about that, and I, and I also want to ask, so you start your TikTok in June of 2021. When did you start the NF Teacher? Yeah, so I started NF Teacher in October of 2021. Okay, all right. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Go yeah, back. I started in October. <laughs> so I started my TikTok during the bear market last summer. It was supposed to be Solana summer, and it wound up being bear market summer. And this was the time when nobody really was talking about NFTs. Board Apes had just minted around that time. Artifact was still doing sneaker drops. Decentraland was super popular. You could play blackjack and stuff in the casinos at the time. They weren't doing a poker. And it was just super, it was a super fun environment. And it was just opportunity and the, the creativity that I was seeing everyone, you know, contribute to this one ecosystem. It was just entertaining. And I stumbled across the Mana token. One of my co-founders for Jam Around actually described what Mana was. He was telling me that he was surprised I didn't know what Decentraland was based off of my interest in virtual reality and all that type of stuff, NFTs and whatnot. So I went into Decentraland, read the white paper a couple of times. I made a video on the white paper, like like word for word, you know, reciting it verbatim. And it just, like I was immersed in the whole fact that you can build an ecosystem from your actual computer and engage into an ecosystem, engage in an ecosystem that was decentralized. So that is what kind of boomed my TikTok, experimenting with different Web3 stuff, immersion stuff. I used to do a lot of the augmented reality stuff with the horses, and that kind of got the TikTok to a level of visibility to where now everyone's asking me questions. How do you do this? What is this? What is that? And Apefather, who is the founder of the HPD project, I still don't know his real name, still don't know what he looks like, but I've known him for over year, like six months now, seven months. 
I've been in two contracts with him. Good guy. He informed me that, oh, he told me that I should make a, a what it is, a consultation token. So a lot of people were asking me questions. He was saying, if you come up with a, a token that gives access to you, then that's something that can work based off of the level of influence that I have. So that turned into NF Teacher because instead of doing a consultation token, something more scalable was to create a passive learning system and allow the token to gain entry to that. And then also give them the opportunity to use that token to, you know, get meetings with me, do what I call office hours. So that's where the initial inspiration for it came. It was a lot of people asking me things. They didn't really know what was going on. I wanted to monetize it, but I wanted them to learn in the process of monetizing it. So instead of just doing a regular course where you paying me fiat currency and whatnot, I tokenized it. Because if you want to get access to this information, you need to understand the crypto first, you need to understand at least how to get a MetaMask wallet, and you need to understand how to mint NFT. If you can learn that, then you're good enough, in my opinion, to learn what's really going on. And you're going to take it seriously because a lot of people just come in for the hype. So if you spend $25 on a course, you may just put it down somewhere. But if you did all this to even get in there, now I'm going to do a little bit more engaging. And a couple of students have came and uh, they've minted the NFT. They've learned what they needed to learn. I met them and then they've sold it and then doubled their investment. So that proved the model right there that you can come in, you can learn, and before you even apply it, you can recoup your investment or even get more than that, you know. And that's just based off of the opportunity that people get with the blockchain. And then that comes to how successful the school is. If the school isn't successful, then people aren't going to be promoting it, tokens aren't going to be moving, and the resales aren't going to be happening. So it's more of a decentralized community aspect. If this school needs to be successful, then all of the students need to play their part in making it successful and even using the platform. Yeah, I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions and we don't have all day. So I'm really, right. I'm trying to organize my thoughts, but it's like what you said to me is a really fascinating thing because if you were under 45, probably, mm -hmm. and you went to college, you went to grad school, you got a PhD, you went to medical school, you mm -hmm. went to law school, you have an advanced degree, as we'd say. Right. You probably have student debt. Or yeah. if you don't have student debt, you once had student debt. I still have. <laughs> Most people do. I do too. So what you're saying is like, come through, get the educational component, mm -hmm. which you're also saying, I think for me, I always learned in college, I learned just as much outside of the classroom as mm -hmm. I did within. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm here right now visiting one of my college buddies. This is, he's a part of my network and we're always just going to be able to support one another. Yeah. And really at the end of the day, that is probably the most important part yeah. of college yeah, for and sure. the relationships I have with my mentors and my professors and stuff. So it's like, do you think this, what, what you've done, which I still am so blown away by it, <laughs> and we're going to continue to drill down more. Do you think this is something Harvard could do? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it, and it can be alternatives. One thing that I'm an avid believer in is being in the middle and not saying that you have to, you know, not saying that I'm indecisive or whatnot, but you can't, decentral, full decentralization is a myth. Full centralization is a myth. We've seen it because they've been trying to centralize the world every time Web 1 was an attempt at decentralization. Then they recentralized it. Then Web 2 was another attempt at it. They recentralized it. So it's going to keep happening. And then when you see people try to go fully decentralized, it's also not going to happen because there are so many security issues and, you know, what do you want your kids seeing? And, you know, it's so many things in this social contract that we all sign that we have to abide by if we want to have some kind of sensible society. And I even saw Vitalik was tweeting about it last night. You know, it's a lot of contradictions in the space. And I think that they can do it, but just as an alternative, you don't have to switch your complete, your complete ecosystem into Web3. 
you can still facilitate your Web 2 options, but let's say you reserved around 100 Web 3 seats that you tokenized in like a Harvard paraphernalia gear or something like that, and you put those on the market and you sold those just to see how the resales would do. That's giving them a decentralized alternative, and it's it's it's, it's a start because you you know we don't really know the implications of how it would be at scale, you know. So let's test it out. Let's see how it works, and let's see who can you know recoup off of that. And also historical purposes for historical purposes is why a lot of colleges are looking to get this stuff done because they have so much history, so much stuff that could be tokenized and put on chain that could educate, that could you know immerse their students into the ecosystem, and that can empower them to, like we said, sell their seats. Let's say if you are Harvard. Um, you got a scholarship. There was a certain type of scholarship that was Web3, and it came for the opportunity for you to sell your seat. Like, we know how much a Harvard seat costs, so that's value in itself. And now you're getting that, giving that value to a student. Now that student is more invested into Harvard because now they're technically an investor in the situation. So when you give your students that kind of power, now the school pride kind of goes up to another level. So like I said, Harvard could definitely do that. Schools can adopt this massively, and it can be a, a great revenue stream for a school. You know, using Harvard as an example, I think is a good one because it's pretty tangible and everyone's heard of Harvard. Yeah. It's like there's two parts of Harvard and because I grew up near Harvard, and they mm. always said the hardest part of Harvard was getting in is the access <laughs> because a lot of people in the United States and around the world yeah. have the middle class money to be able to afford the education. Right. They can't get the access, and we've seen that blow up in real time with the whole scandal where parents are paying, you know, like half a million dollars so their kid can Just go to Stanford or whatever it was. So it's the access component that's really interesting. And the reason why I love it so much is in my life, the people that have done, I've never met someone mm. and I'm blown away by what they're doing. And then I directly relate it back to their university mm. because sometimes maybe they didn't even go to college. Sometimes they went to a state school. They didn't have to go to an Ivy League. Yeah. So the second you put something on chain with an education, you take some state school from X, Y, and Z. And then you start pumping out amazing grads and they're building stuff in Web3. You start to engage with their product and yeah. you're like, wow, where did, where did they go to learn this? Oh, they went there. Then they're going to be able to sell that and everyone wins. The student wins because they're going to get great stuff. The person wins because now they basically got a free education if we're thinking in monetary terms. Right. And the school, the brand only grows. It grows. So I'm just like, have schools come to you and been like, Brent, you need to come through and teach us? <laughs> so I've been getting some, some, some requests. I would get a, a couple of requests, not, you know, academic, uh, the, uh, the academic uh, industry is very traditional as well. And that's a big thing. Um, one of my students um, over at Expert VR, he creates these VR training simulators. So he's working his way into it from like an immersion aspect of it. So he's creating these VR training simulators for like police stations and, you know, all of people who could use the training without being on the field. And he's been running to some, um, you know, some red tape, just trying to navigate through it, get them to understand what it is. So when you're dealing with academic institutions, you're dealing with very traditional old money. So convincing them that this is the way really can only be done, in my opinion, through practice and through innovators who are working in those institutions that catch on in a sense. And just experimenting with it because it's super possible and it's super easy to do. It's just getting them to understand that this is something that you should be doing. A good example um, is Disney, one of our advisory board members for Jam Around uh, works for Disney. And he's been doing a lot with the Disney, uh, the, the VV and the T's and stuff like that. So it's Pepsi. Another one of our students, or Doug is not a student, but 
uh, Brian, he's a, he works for Pepsi and he's one of our students. He's a senior IT executive over there and they are experimenting with NFTs. And you see what these conglomerates are doing because of so much regulation that they have to abide by because they're so big. So just seeing how people are navigating through it, we know that there's some more legislation that has to get passed. I just did a Web3 panel a couple of days ago uh, on the Capitol at Louisiana Capitol where we were talking about, you know, talking to the treasurer about Web3 bills and everything that's actually trying to get passed right now in Louisiana. So it's a lot of that legislation that has to pass in order for these bigger institutional, the institutional money to get behind it because they have to be regulated in a sense. So that's where, you know, the centralization, you know, is like, is inevitable. You can't do big money work without being centralized because it has to be regulated to an extent. So we've been exploring the opportunities, but right now I've just been kind of bootstrapping it and just making sure that it's a concept that people like and that it works. And the whole portal was built on Web 2. Just the login was built to Web 3. So it's a traditional Web 2 front end, but then Cypher, our dev, which I don't know his real name either, he built the, the plugins, custom plugins that allowed you to connect your MetaMask wallet to the website. So super easy setup, super simple setup. It's just a matter of getting the schools on board to want to experiment with it. This is like so fascinating because I think academia right now is going through it. And yeah. I've had conversations recently with one of the guests who came on the pod named Grant. And we've been talking with a professor who's a doctor. He's a doctor in business administration and he mm. teaches at a college. And I'm not going to share his name here because mm. I, I, I can't speak right. for him. I can speak for Grant though. And we're just having this conversation about we are getting Web 2 diplomas now yeah. in a Web 3 world. And I know personally, I have my master's in international affairs, mm -hmm. but now that I'm deep in Web 3, I'm not leaving. I'm mm -hmm. only going to continue to invest in this, in this network, in this community. Yeah. And it's like, this feels like tools that I'm going to be able to, you know, set me up and be an add value into yeah. the future. And thinking about, I, I'm really glad that you brought up Vitalik's tweets because mm -hmm. I read through them and I read a lot of people else who kind of analyzed them. Mm -hmm. They did all the legwork, so I didn't yeah. have to do it. And it's really fascinating. But what you said about decentralized and centralized is totally true. Because even mm -hmm. Bitcoin, which is in theory, I'm throwing air quotes, decentralized, there's only, there's a massive amount of miners that really kind of own the ebb and flow of what that looks like. Yeah. And then with Ethereum, somebody asked me the other day, I, I had a Bitcoin maximalist come on and came on episode 21 and we were talking and he said, he said off mic, he said, well, what happens if Vitalik dies? And I don't have an answer for that because I just watched, I don't know if you saw on Netflix. Yeah. Did you see the, the thing on Netflix with the Which dude one? who was part of the centralized exchange? Up in Canada, no, it was kind of like that? a Canadian Coinbase. I, Where? I, I don't I want to watch Coinbase. That. I gotta watch this. You gotta yeah, watch this. Yeah. I'm gonna ruin it a little bit for you. Yeah. But he dies, and the keys and they, get locked. Yeah, yeah. You call that key man syndrome. Is, yeah, yeah. When it's like one person kind of in the center of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that and is. And so true. I go through Vitalik's tweets, and that's the only thing I'm thinking. And I obviously have Ethereum because I like to play in Web three. I have NFTs. I like to get in on stuff. I like to mint stuff. I think it's a, something that is. You know, it's a good thing to have in your wallet if you right. want to play in the sand. Right, right. right. Uh, so thinking NFT teacher, how big is it going to go? I've seen that you've done a backpack. I think you started. Did mm -hmm. you start with the jacket or the backpack? The uh, jackets. We started with Gen 1 jacket. We had 100 jackets. We sold those out. And now we're at the backpacks. I think we sold like 40 of them or something like that. Out of so 100. Had, out of 300. So, out of 300. So yeah. So the rarity levels, we did artificial. Oh, we didn't do artificial uh, rarity. So we didn't do the probably rare algorithm. Because I didn't want to create a, prob a project based off of hype. I felt that if I was to hype the project and I was to sell 10,000 assets, then everybody would be standing around twirling their fingers. So I wanted to create the project in a way that wasn't 
FOMO based. So more of a passive project. If I could sell one NFT every two days for the next three years, I'll take that before I sell all of them in one day and be forced to do premature business decisions based off of these investors who aren't credited investors and they just want things to happen. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's tricky. Yeah. And that's where it comes to the contradictions of it because you, you people aren't investing in you, but then when you're not an accredited investor, you don't really know how the process works. Then you go asking for things too soon and not really knowing. You know, it's, it's so many things that comes with it. That's why when I sold, I wanted to make sure that there was a 10-course class on the other side of that transaction. So where unless you went through all of those classes, you couldn't sit there and, and think, I didn't give you value or what's your, what's next? Or, you know, you would have to go through all of the content that I pre-prepared for you and as well as the designs of the jackets. So we did rarity traits, but I didn't release the rarities or even announce them until after all the jackets were sold out. So everybody initially thought that they were all one design, but I didn't put the metadata on chain. Everything else is on chain, but the metadata isn't. So we can update the style of the jackets. We can update the looks of every single token. If I wanted to just drop a profile picture project and replace all of the tokens with profile pictures, that I, I will be able to do that because that's not on chain. And then that's also decentralization and centralization. You don't want to put everything on chain because some things you want to change. <laughs> you know, like, so it's like certain things like that. So, um, yeah, so we're doing the, 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 the backpacks and they're selling in a nice passive kind of way. I haven't really been promoting them as recently, but they've still been selling, still been selling a few of them. And yeah, it's passive and it's good because people who come in and get it, they get it for the knowledge. Most get it for the office hours as well. So you get access to the private Discord where I have a Calendly link where you can schedule office hours with me like in a traditional university sense. And I've met a lot of the students through video chat and just talking to them, coaching them through things. I charge like $300 an hour for NFT consultations. So if you get the NFT, you get free office hours whenever you want. You just have to make sure you beat somebody else to get the schedule first, which in reality is not even that packed of a schedule. You know, you can literally get one and get on the schedule and I'll talk to you next week or something like that. And it's passive, you know, and it's in a way that's beneficial. We have different value. We do the airdrop. So you get the Decentraland wearables. If you meant, I actually was working on submitting the backpack wearables before I came over here. So we're going to be airdropping those to backpack holders. And we're going to do an event in Decentraland where we're going to have the people come with the jackets, people come with the backpacks and just have, them, you know, just, just fraternizing, just being in school, you know, watching, just meeting each other because there's a lot of people from different walks of lives that are students. And I would tell the students that, you know, talk to your cohort. Go If you have an NFT and they do too, y'all part of the same community. We have some, like I said, Pepsi executives. We have um, builders, developers, architects, 3D modelers. Like there is everything you need in the community to create what you need if you know how to network and meet them. And that was how NFT was created. Like I said, everyone on the founding team for NFT came from the Apes 3D community. And that was because that was a community that I poured value into. So they understood who I was. They trusted me. And they didn't mind pouring value back into me. And that's when you think of Web3 decentralization as more of a give and take, not a take, just, you know, taking and extracting. We're actually, you know, creating a balanced scale of value. And that's, you know, what the fundamental purpose of Web3 is just, you know, equality. I recently have been thinking a lot about the Constitution because of the political atmosphere yeah. in which we live and some of the decisions that the Supreme Court has made. And mm -hmm. you brought up something that to me is always fascinating as I start to build out my own NFT project for this podcast, yeah. which is how do you build something that can weather the test of time and still be kind of flexible? Mm -hmm. Because where we are today won't be where we are in three or four years. Mm -hmm. If I come back to New Orleans, and I see you, I say, Brent, where are we now? Everything will have changed. Everything. There's not even a surprise to me if 
some Princeton, Stanford, some of the bigger universities who maybe can take some risks because they yeah, have billion dollar endowments are starting to do this. Cause Stanford, I know that they already have a class in virtual reality because mm -hmm. they're like, yeah, we need to prepare these students for the future. Mm -hmm. And the future is probably in yeah. a virtual reality, decentralized space. Definitely. So how have you thought about, and you just spoke a little bit about keeping, mm -hmm. not putting all the metadata on blockchain. Mm -hmm. How else are you thinking now? Like, mm -hmm. what are you thinking now about the project that you couldn't have even considered when you started and you only started like five minutes ago, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, like you just started. <laughs> so, okay. So initially it was more so B2C, so business to consumer. And recently after going through the program, the accelerator program that I went through, I learned a lot about high growth startups. I competed against the NFT museum project in the, in the competition. I actually beat them, Chris, with Iconic Moments. Shout out to Chris. And I've, I'm seeing how Web3 businesses are starting to get institutional money and what they're starting to do with it, how they're starting to scale it. So what you do is you build up your brand in order to go get investment, right? And I've been seeing a lot of my favorite brands, even like MetaKey, they've gotten investment. You know, it's, they're doing more hybrid style investment options instead of just hard cash for equity. You know, you may be buying some tokens or you may be, you know, doing things like that. But Getting investment and scaling is super important right now because the technology is going to change so dramatically in the next two or three years. So let me try to stay on stay on board with it. So boom, when the web two but when a web bubble crash, web one bubble crash, Amazon went down to from $113, $116 a share to like six dollars. The only reason why he was able to weather that storm was he, because... He being Bezos. Yeah, okay. yeah, Bezos. Okay, okay. Yeah, the only reason why Bezos was able to weather that storm was because the business was on an upward trend. So while the market was saying that he was on a downward trend, the business, all of his business stats from you know everything going on in the operations, it was all trending upward. And the key was he didn't need to raise money. So he, was, he had enough runway to get him through those two or three years of... No one's investing in these types of companies. So that's where it comes to where the people come with that 99% of all companies are going to die. Because when the bubble pops, if you don't have a cash runway to stay in business, right, then you're, you're going to close your doors. And if the market is down, that means you're, you're, you're not getting any investments from even the consumers of Web3. So people aren't buying NFTs. People aren't investing in tokens. Investors aren't definitely not investing in the companies. So it's just about making sure that you either set your model up to where you don't need a high runway or you get enough money to weather the storm. So these companies are getting crazy high investments and they're hiring these expensive employees. So to keep them working, you need to make sure that you have the money. And when the market's down, investors aren't investing, people aren't buying. And that's really what's what matters. So what I've been looking into recently has been doing a lot of B2B stuff. So it's some stuff that I can't say, but there are some other things that are popping up that is going to be more so institutionalized education. So for different companies who want their people to learn about blockchain, you know, we're going to be doing special tokens. They're going to buy the tokens, give them to their people, and then they're going to get access to X, Y, and Z content. This makes so much sense yeah. because I was 35. And so when the internet came out, my dad had always been working with computers mm -hmm. since the 80s. So when the internet came out, that made sense. I was one of the first kids to kind of be baptized in it. Yeah. And when I think back to that, if you think back to that time, 
the only people that really had the, the money to go mm-hmm. play in these things were the institutions, were for-profit companies. Yeah, yeah. And so it makes sense that for-profit companies now are going to be reaching out to someone like you or any one of your you know, collaborators or community to say, hey, teach us to see what's going on. The, the bear market that we are in, I'll officially say it now, yeah, the bear market that we are officially in, in and we're going to continue <laughs> to slide into, and we can mm-hmm. talk about prices for days, is I saw, uh, I think it was Yanowitz from, uh, Blo- from Blockworks. Jason yeah. Yanowitz from Blockworks. Yeah. I think he, he tweeted it, or it was Coinbase who tweeted it. Maybe it was Brian Armstrong. I'm not exactly sure, but somebody said, the best things for Web3 come from bear markets. Yeah. And then it was like Coinbase in 2014. I'm going to forget all the other ones, but I'll find the tweet and I'll put it up and you can go find yeah. it. It's already on our Twitter at, at more than blockchain. And we're in this bear market now. Mm-hmm. What moves are you making now to mm-hmm. insulate? Because I'm telling anyone, I'm like, hey, I'm working on this podcast. I'm, I'm getting some other things going to Web3. We've got about two years until mm-hmm. the halving happens again with Bitcoin mm-hmm. and the prices start to appreciate. Yeah. And I think we'll also be printing money, at right. least in the United States and mostly likely in Asia and Europe and other countries do the same. Are you making different moves now, now that we're in a bear market? Yes, yes, I'm moving. When, when we get in the bear market, I start moving super fast because the price is not going to be the same forever. Let me give you a good example. So in, when I first minted the wearables for the jackets, so I had to mint 100 wearables. During the time, it was 300 mana to mint a wearable. And mana had skyrocketed around that time. It was at around 4 or $5. So I paid $1,500 to mint those wearables that I, was gonna, that I gave away to my holders, right? I wound up going to the casino and winning the money back, like right after I minted it. You know, it's like the worst thing for you to say. Right, People yeah. are like, "Oh, I can just go to casinos and cover nah, my Web three, my, my Web three liabilities." They, they stopped the blackjack, so I don't know if you could really go. You could do poker, but blackjack, I used to just, I used to be like really just getting, yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be easy because you could just get a dealer card and pull it up and find the best move to throw down. Yeah, it was super easy. I used to be gaming that system all day. But <laughs> to the point oh now, um, so when the when the, when Mana went to four hundred bucks. Uh, for four dollars, they uh, said that the wearables were now a hundred mana because it was unsustainable. So after I spent that fifteen hundred, they wound up lowering the price to mint your wearables to a hundred mana. So at the time, that was around three hundred bucks. The price is still a hundred mana right now, and mana is at a dollar. So in order to mint a wearable right now, you're only going to pay a hundred dollars. So if you have wearables that you plan on minting to airdrop the people. Like just things are cheap right now, so like get your your resources together and start you know paying and buying the stuff that you need to buy before the market goes back up because you don't know how the price is going to fluctuate and how it's going to affect your bottom line. I'm low key happy that I waited until this market to mint the wearables because I would have been paying around three hundred to four hundred dollars if I would have did it two three weeks ago. So those are certain things that you pay attention to when builders move in the bear market is because things are inexpensive to deploy on. You know Ethereum gas fees are super cheap right now. You have the, the Solana, they doing their thing. I was in Solana at the top, but now this is an opportunity for me to re-get my, get my Solana back right, you know, and just this is a time for you to start refocusing on different things and readjusting based off the data that you've been seeing in the last year. So these different companies that have been building during the bear market, that's why I'm an avid believer in Decentraland over stuff like Other Side and all that, because these are battle-tested platforms that have been through bear markets before. You know, this isn't, this is the reason why Decentraland is still only on the desktop. Because they still have a mobile application, so that's crazy news that's going to pump them back up. They have VR that's supposed to be coming in the next month or two, you know, as a VR application for Decentraland, like different things that fit the actual time that we're in. A lot of companies will try to overbuild 
but the tech stack isn't built for that right now. And these companies that are investing everything into blockchain at this moment are going to be, they're taking on technical debt right now, technology debt. So as they're basically sacrificing the technology in order to get a certain amount of leverage at this point, but they're going to have to pay for that debt eventually once the market consolidates and the technology stacks start consolidating because they're going to have to move over into these more generalized technology stacks. And that's what happened. You know, you have all of these different technology options. They become outdated. You get the actual industry standard, and then people start moving into that. So a lot of companies that are investing into a lot of these experimental technologies, in about three years or two years, when things start, you know, becoming more materialized, is going to be more of an effort for them to switch over. For your companies that got the investments, it's going to be easier for them to do, but they're still going to have to pay that back. You know, you're going to have to pay that tech debt back, which is, you know, not a bad thing. You just have to make sure it's your position in order to not ruin your company over it. What's a company that's currently doing that, and mm. what advice would you give them? As far as uh, a company that's not using their tech that well, in a sense? Or a company that's over-investing in tech that they may need yeah. to, in the other, future, abandon. Yeah. Uh, I, feel, I feel like other side. I'm, I, wouldn't say I'm, I, don't like, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm not a fan of Yuga, but I definitely see their game. From a, from a startup perspective, you know, because you, you create this hype and you get your investment. And after you get your investment, you start trying to deliver, but you're delivering on things that you never delivered on before. And it's not as e easy to provide artificial liquidity for a video game as it is for an NFT project. For an NFT project, all you have to do is buy the floor up, go get MoonPay to get some celebrities in on it. And next thing you know, you have a successful NFT project. Gaming is completely different, and onboarding to Web3 is too much of a hassle right now. In marketing, I realized that you lose 20% of your users with every step you add to onboarding process. So if I go from my link in bio to add to the store, to add to cart, to purchase, I didn't lost 80% of my potential conversion. With Web3, you're thinking about a 12-step conversion. I was talking to my people at Zed Run at VHS Labs. And they said that it takes, if you don't have a crypto wallet, it takes 13 steps to go from no wallet to actually having a horse. You get me? So there has to be a lot of FOMO to keep you moving down that, that, that chain. And this is why I think, and I was discussing this the other day with somebody, a friend of mine, and she was saying, you know, the reason why, well, it's a fairly obvious statement, but the reason why NBA Top Shop did so well. Yeah. You could just use your credit card. That's it. Straight up. And that's, I bought NFTs on Eternity when I had problems with my MetaMask mm. because I could, use, I could use a card. And I had, I had the money. It wasn't like, I'm not saying nah, please. But the card is just, it's more convenient. Yeah, it's more convenient. Yeah. But please, if you're listening to this, don't go out and buy NFTs with a credit card. No, that's don't. very bad advice. The NFT teacher will tell you that. I did that with the Matrix drop. Did you? Yes. And they took like 800 something dollars out of my account because I was clicking the button so much. But they returned it to me. I only got one NFT. But I was... <laughs> It was a fifty dollar NFT. I clicked it like ten times. <laughs> they took all of that money out. So yeah, don't buy it off your credit card. You know, it's, it'll be times where things will get more. You know, with things that get more consolidated. And you know, it's all about trusting who you're using with those type of situations too. Like who's pay, who's processing your payments, and do they have access to your non your your non KYC? You know, that's the big thing. As a teacher, mm -hmm. do you have a past with? 
imparting knowledge, teaching. I've, I've coached soccer for many years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned as a coach, and this is what you learn as a teacher or any, this is what parents learn every single day. Anytime mm-hmm. you're imparting knowledge yeah. in, a, in a kind of a power situation where maybe you know more than the other person, mm-hmm. you end up learning more than, than they do. And that's actually, <laughs> that's like the cheat code. That is. So what have you learned from your students? Like what's Whew. a couple of things that students just dropped, dropped the hammer and said, Hey, and you were like, wow. I, you, Cause you, yeah. I guarantee you've got, and I'm not talking about money. You've gotten more out of this knowledge wise yeah. than they have. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah, just sure. the grasshopper master dynamic. So one thing that I've learned is, and, and if, if you enable the right people, they'll take um, advantage of the opportunity. And I learned that from uh, one of my students who I gave an Oculus to. He won a, a, great, a giveaway for Oculus Quest 2. And he's been using it, like, every day. He's gotten so good in the Gravity Sketch app that it's, it's crazy. And it, you would think that he had it before me as far as how advanced he got with actually 3D virtual sculpting and whatnot. So that's one thing that I've learned is you enable the right people, they're going to take advantage of it and they're not going to, you know, ruin the opportunity that you gave them. Also, I realized with some crazy, I'm not going to drop the ideas they gave me, but I've been getting some great ideas from NFT projects that students want to actually drop. So not going to go through the ones that aren't dropped yet, but there's this one called Encrypted Gods where they actually created a 2D pixelated character of me and put me in there as like a teacher to instruct them. I think I've seen that. Yeah. I think you shared it. Like, yeah. I saw that and I was yeah. like, this is, yeah. that is actually meta. Yeah. Right. That's nice. <laughs> right? Like, that was, that's, that's dope. And that's interoperable. You want to, the reason why NFTs is this is because we want to be able to bring access from one game to another at the end of the day. So that's an interesting project. And I've learned just the resilience. They moved out. Like uh, one of the business partners, he was in California, I believe. And he went overseas and met with the other partner, which is another, both of them are students. So they then moved together. They was, I forgot what they were in, close to Ukraine or somewhere around there, around the area. And they were working on a project for months just out there together, you know, and I would consult them, you know, we'd hop on there, I'd get the office hours, we'd talk about it, and just just seeing builders that, you know, aren't me, it kind of helps build my perspective of how things should be built, and it helps me learn. And, you know, just advising them on what what to do and what not to do just gives me a more broader perspective of blockchain projects, not just from the, the school perspective. So now I'm thinking about how games work. I'm thinking about um, avatar projects, you know, just based off of different people that I'm working with and how I'm advising them, you learn different scopes of the industry. So you, you've got some students that are over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about two things. I'm going to ask you a two-part question here, and you can yeah. take, take yeah, both sure. and yeah. <laughs> But the cool thing for me in Web3, because I exist somewhere between Massachusetts, Brooklyn, and Columbia. Yeah. And the cool thing for me about Web3 is I can be wherever and still add value, still contribute. And the question I have for you is, one of the questions is, like, your students, where are they located? Mm-hmm. And where, or just, the, I guess, more simple question. Where is the student that like told you they're from X, Y, and Z? And you're like, no way, I didn't even know that existed. <laughs> and then also, you can flow into this. but are you trying to put, or is New Orleans, like, how big of a player is New Orleans going to be in Web3? Mm. Because when I think of tech, I don't think of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. When I think of Web3, I don't think of New Orleans traditionally. I mm-hmm. think maybe I think of, like, Silicon Valley now that, you know, Facebook's called Meta and mm-hmm. some of the projects. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what does that look like? So, first yeah. off, you know. First part question, um, to, for the location-wise. So, 
the craziest location that someone told me that they were from would have to be the one that I was just referring to, which I don't really remember the name of it because it was so, it was the same place where the Tesla Museum is, is in Europe. And it's, yeah, I, I got to do that research and get back to you. We'll put that in the outro yeah, notes. Yeah, we will put that in the outro notes. Let's do that. So yeah, that was crazy. And just, you know, one of the, um, the same guy, he actually meant to, he stayed up all night to mint because he was on the other side of the world. So just seeing that time difference and seeing people dedicated and just engaging, coming to events on different time zones and getting used to the, you know, the, the UST and all. Not the UST. Not, not, please not nah, the UST. Oh my God. Please not the UST. Nah, what's the, uh, not, is, is that what it's called though? The time zone, huh? Isn't that oh it yeah, sorry. It yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's just yeah. But not the UST, not the UST. No, not the UST. We talking about time zones. That's the only UST we acknowledge around here. So um, yeah, so that was that answer. And to to talk about the New Orleans and Web three. So we've been doing a lot of work with with Idea Village, New Society, which is a Web three group out here. And we've also been doing a lot of work with Black Technola. They have some Web three on board, and they have an actual NFT exhibition in essence at essence this year during essence fest so that's going to be super huge and it's going to be about onboarding women black women in particular which is their demographic into nfts and there's this big installation and it's going to be great and on the other side which is the more conservative side we have been working with uh, people like tim williamson the new society they just released the nft project where i think they've onboarded around 280 at this moment in in web three and they just want education to be a big part of that as well so i was actually talking to tim this morning about a possible partnership with nf teacher and the new society launch so we're figuring out a way and this probably will be our probably first probably will be our first b2b partnership where they're going to buy bulk of nfts and airdrop them to their holders and i'm going to change the metadata on them and edit probably a new society badge on the bag or something like that create another trait for it and this is where that off chain comes in handy for being a little bit more flexible when you're dealing another dealing with other people and deals but yeah so new society is super big and when you think nfts in particular not necessarily crypto you think culture you think art you think music you think you think of everything that New Orleans embodies, which fashion. is pure, yeah, yeah, fashion, yeah, pure culture, right? And New Orleans is 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 bleeding with culture. I saw this one NFT project that these uh, folks at Cuba did, where they took photos of different culture bearers and minted those, and those sold pretty well, you know. So there are there's a lot of opportunity for New Orleans in Web three because New Orleans is one of the few cities that wasn't in in wasn't. What I would say, our culture wasn't stripped during the Industrial Revolution, so we didn't get our infrastructure changed. So history is one of our biggest cultural assets because things still look the same. So now we have an opportunity to build on that without sacrificing the infrastructure that brings tourists down because we don't need big infrastructure to build digitally. So I feel like that's a big point with New Orleans and the fact that we are a music city, we are a food city, we are a culture city, a tourist city. So now we get an opportunity to package New Orleans up and ship it off to other people. You know, instead of just waiting for people to come down here and whatnot, I actually own the name French Quarter in Decentraland on the note. Yeah, on that note, because I was like, you know, once if I can't get a good plot, it's going to be a time where people start searching for plots based off of real life situations, which is where your Earth 2 platforms and stuff tried to capitalize on. But I feel like those fully decentralized platforms, not saying that Decentraland is fully decentralized, but it's probably the closest thing you're going to get to it. Is is where we all need to be planning ourselves instead of building our own platforms and trying to get people to come there. There's already it's so hard to onboard already that we're fragmenting user bases. 
and we're we're diluting everyone's experiences because everyone wants to be the one that creates the oasis instead of just going get a headquarters here or go get a headquarters there and just contribute to the economies that's already been building over all of these years, you know? So that's pretty much my point with it. And I feel like New Orleans has an interesting place in, in this situation. We just have to iron it out and then get the, the locals behind it and get them educated as well, which is another reason why the New Society and a teacher partnership may be something that we're working out sooner than later. I feel like sooner mm-hmm. than later is always especially taking advantage of the bear market yeah, for sure. where people can get in. And if it's a financial concern, which often it is, mm-hmm. I want to switch now though. And I want to transition into another project you're working on yeah, right, called Jam sure. Round. And I know you've had some <laughs> successful seed rounds. So congrats yeah, on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, maybe powerful. you can speak a little bit about that, but then how you hope to mesh that in to web three, to web three. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. So good, 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 uh, good question. So Jam Around is a music career management software. Essentially, we drew inspiration from HubSpot, and we feel like music creators need a centralized, and it's funny we say that, and that's what we're going to get into. They need a centralized place, a non-fragmented platform, in order to ensure their authorship protection, in order to ensure that they're meeting quality people, in order to ensure that they're, they have quality people to sell their services to. The music industry before the internet was big business. And that meant that in order to move through the music supply chain, you had to go through a record label. The internet or the music industry was the internet's first victim. So when Napster came along, it deconstructed the entire supply chain, starting with the delivery part of it, which was with Napster. They killed physical albums, which was where most of that money was coming in. So now most of the money in the music industry is developed from the first two parts of the chain. The first being a composition where the composition right is created. And then the second being a master recording, which is the performance of the official recording of the underlying composition, which is the second copyright that's associated with your song. Now, the internet has basically created a situation where there are apps competing for market share in every part of the chain. So you get to recording, you got your Ableton's, FL Studios, Garage Bands. Then you go to distribution, you got DistroKids, TuneCore, et cetera. Then you go to delivery, you got Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, et cetera. So it's fragmented. So it's, it takes around eight apps in order for a music creator to move through the entire supply chain. So Jamaron is going to be an all-in-one solution that first streamlines the composition process by creating a discovery network as well as a cloud composer allowing users to create and store melodies on the cloud collaboratively. And we're going to create a peer-to-peer marketplace that's going to allow them to buy and sell music products and services to each other. So when we're, taking about, when we're talking about the entire ecosystem, all of that is Web2, right? How do we bridge it into Web3? by providing decentralized alternatives to our service, our offerings. So for example, if you're creating your lyrics and you're using Jamaron to store your lyrics, you may have the first option when we're first building to store it on our service. So if someone were to take the rights to your music and you wanted to sue them or something, you would have to go through Jamaron to get that data back, that centralization. Some people cool with that. Some people, you know, they don't want to be responsible for their own stuff. Some people not cool with that. They want to be responsible for their own stuff. So that's why we will offer them a decentralized alternative to store your lyrics and stuff on blockchain. So now if you want to go take somebody to court or whatever, you can go get the information yourself without having to come through Jamaround. So that's the first step in how we plan to decentralize Jamaround. And another step is to provide a commerce token in our marketplace. So when we first launch the marketplace, it's going to be a fiat. You only can buy beats, buy features, buy vocals and loops using fiat currency. 
then we're going to drop Jam Token, which is going to allow you to use Jam to buy and sell music products and services with each other. We've also been working with, you know, some some music retailers, um, huge global retailers, and possibly for to work them into that ecosystem as well. So where you can possibly use Jam to buy instruments and all of that other type of stuff. So the whole thing that I've learned with of Teacher is you need to create an ecosystem first. So with of Teacher, I dropped the assets first. Then I created the ecosystem because creating an online school was feasible for me to do. But a lot of companies are falling on the wayside by selling assets first and then not providing the value on the back end. For me, with End of Teacher, it was easy to do, like I said, because it was just a website with learning courses and I was creating the content. So I didn't have to go pay videographers. I didn't have to go pay none of that. I can create it myself. The difference with that and other companies, especially when you're talking about creating a game, a AAA game easily costs you $100 million. Easily. Like that's, and everything went well. And everything went well. You know well. what I mean? That's everything like, went No perfect. one has ever built a house to, to budget. It goes no 20% one. over. No, always, always. Always. And that's why I'm so skeptical with these companies. And that's why even Jamaron took the approach as a Web 2 model when we're seeking our investment. And we're going to go hard Web 3 when we seek our official seed round. So we are currently raising the bridge round, which is going to lead us into our official seed round where we will be able to unlock the 400000 that we won in a pitch competition. So we don't want to dilute ourselves to oblivion by going get that eight hundred at such an early stage. So we're doing a family and friends bridge round of around two fifty to three fifty to get our user base to fifteen thousand, twenty thousand users, and to redevelop the app from the web based application that is at now into a fully native app. And that's a perfect example of tech debt. We took on tech debt by not developing natively, only developing during no code using a no code solution. And we wound up winning the prize using that MVP. So now we're paying that debt back and rebuilding it natively right now. So as opposed to going in big, yeah, getting first. in debt, yeah, diluting all of your equity, and then being beholden to other a third party and these expectations that maybe mm-hmm. you can, maybe you can't. Yep, either financial debt or tech debt, and we chose tech debt. And my CTO co-founder Donovan, he was able to develop it himself. So everything that he did. We didn't, you know, we didn't have to pay because I didn't get paid my first year. He didn't get paid either. We owned percentages of it. So we took that debt and, you know, now we're redeveloping it. About to launch in the next couple of weeks with our, the first iteration of the native version. And we're going to be building our user base, pumping those in for the next three or four months until we go to raise that official seed round. So that's pretty much where we're at now. And I realized with Jam Around that building the ecosystem first is always the smartest thing to do. Because why would you build a token to power an ecosystem that doesn't exist. So we're building an ecosystem first, and then we're going to find ways to create decentralized alternatives to some of the core services to service people who want decentralized alternatives. Because the reality is, is that not everyone wants to live in the wild, wild west. Some people like having a police that they could call. Nobody wants to, not everybody wants a shotgun at their door because they don't want authority around, you know, because when you're dealing in a decentralized space, now you got to protect yourself. So now you're storing your own keys. Now you're making sure you're not getting hacked. If you get hacked, you can't tell nobody. It's like it's, you can't do nothing about it. So it's, once you, you sacrifice centralization for security, and there are certain pros and cons with each of them. So we want to make sure that as we're building this business, we're educating our investors about Web3 because a lot of investors are blindly investing in Web3 at this moment and expecting you to do all of this stuff now when the reality is that the tech stack is going to be super different and all of that money would have, in a sense, been wasted if you were to go all in right now, and then we're looking at ecosystems that aren't being populated. So it's all speculation. You drop 10,000 assets and say you're going to drop a video game, 
if t- all 10,000 of your u- holders played that game, that would not be a successful game. 10,000 users is in video game is not a, it's not a thing. <laughs> it's not going to happen. You know, so that from, we're taking that approach with Jamaround. We have a hybrid web to web three business model, which we're, we need the centralization because the, art, the actual music creators need the consolidation of the services, but also giving them an option to store on chain. It's still, you know, treading both sides. And, and it's not like we're going against the grain. We're just providing different alternatives, you know? So, yeah. Who are your competitors in the space? So, yeah. So we have one competitor. It's a company called Vamper out of the UK, not the UK, out of Australia, I believe. And they started like seven years ago. They got on the train, heading in the wrong direction. And I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't close their doors <laughs> pretty soon, man. Probably like next year or something. And they've, they've, heard, they've heard of us, of course. And there's been some slight business jousting going on. They are not from here, but they sponsored an event down here that I wound up speaking at. You know, it's just a lot of stuff going on. But essentially, they, the approach that they took was the right approach, but they didn't understand the problem. And when you don't understand the problem, then you won't build the solution in the right order, and you're not going to build a solution with intention. You're just giving solutions that you know you need because you were an artist in the past, but you don't know where this fits at on the supply chain, where you should start, et cetera. So what we're doing is we're trying to provide a scalable alternative to a music manager. Back in the day when the music industry was big business, 15 to 30% to a manager was scalable. Now the music industry is small business. Independent artists upload eight times more music than major labels. 15 to 30% gross revenues to a manager is not scalable for small business artists. So they need an app where they can manage their own careers. And that's when we talk about empowerment. And now we're giving people ownership where you can control your entire career in the palm of your hand, which is off the same principles or core values as, you know, Web3 in that sense. So it's not really about whether we're Web2 or Web3, because the reality is not all companies need to be Web3. Maybe you just need to be an honest company. You know, right. <laughs> so that's the kind of point we're moving at. It's like, you know, we're going to be honest. We're going to be straightforward about what we do and our values. We're going to have our values and we're going to stick to them. However we deliver that in whichever medium is based off of what we're using for or who we're serving at the time because people eat different things. So that's, you know, us sticking to our values, but also being flexible enough to see where tech is going and not being FOMO'd into, into thinking that Web 2 is obsolete. Because it's really an evolution of it, and it's it's needed in order for Web three to even be, you know, deployable. Wow, this is here. I mean, we we could probably do hours for each one, and I think what we'll do is since you know NF Teacher is kind yeah. of launched and yeah. executed, yeah, we'll probably come back and focus on Jamaround yeah. as you start to add in those decentralized components, which I do think Web three musicians and artists. Younger kids who are on SoundCloud are like, you know what? I also own NFTs. I've already put on my own yeah. NFTs. This is where I want to play. Right. That seems to be honestly meeting the demand right. of the future right. and building for it today. So I want to give you the chance now, mm. and I don't know which ones you're going to shout out, what you want to <laughs> shout out. If people want to get in touch with you, oh, what's yeah, the easiest right, way? Because right. I, you know, I yeah. found you through Dr. Clips, right. but now yeah. we got Jam Around, you got yeah. NF Teachers, so Dr. Clips. Dr. Clips on my Instagram. Either hit me up on Instagram is the best way to get directly in contact with me. My email, you can find it on my link trees. You can send me that. Um, you can get an NFT and just schedule office hour. And at that point, I'm just showing up at your doorstep in a sense. So I'm very accessible, you know. So Dr. Clips, my Instagram, TikTok messaging sucks. So do not try to reach out to me on TikTok. It's too clouded with 
too too flooded with too many notifications and all that type of stuff. But yeah, I'm super accessible, super accessible because that's what it's all about, you know, just being accessible and being a real person, you know, not just standing on some pedestal and just, you know, doing that. So you can reach out to me. I will answer. Yeah. I think that that's a super powerful thing that yeah. you do and that, and that that I love is that you're very out there. Yeah. You can go through your Instagram. Uh, I think in the future, doxed, being doxed uh, or, mm. or not being doxed. You know, there's yeah. there, there's positives on both sides, but I, you know, thank you for coming in to, uh, to record today. Yeah. And I will put all of your links, your Instagram feed and your link tree, nice. uh, your Instagram account and the link tree in the notes on the podcast. Nice. So Brent, thanks nice. for coming through. Man, thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening to this episode. Be sure to find Brent on Instagram at Dr. Clips. That's D-R dot C-L-I-P-Z. To stay updated on NF Teacher and Jamram. As an episode note, the country Brent was thinking of was Serbia. Be sure to follow us on social media at More Than Blockchain and check out our new website at morethanblockchain.xyz to learn more about the podcast. As always, please subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast and consider sharing the episode with a friend, family member, or even colleague. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.